one of the biggest things we're looking to do when we talk to each individual investor is to understand what they're looking for, right? So I think in different life stages, different investors are looking for different performance types. Let's get ready to scale. guys, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Ready to Sell. I'm Jeanette Robinson, Director of Investor Relations here at Blue Lake Capital. And joining me today is Johnny Wolf. Johnny is the founder and CEO of Home Room, which is a really interesting real estate investing kind of property management company as well that focuses on identifying residential assets in key markets for affordable co-living spaces and then helps manage those homes for investors. Uh, very cool concept. It sounds very niche, and I'm excited to learn more about that. But before we do, Johnny was formerly a director of finance at Safe Harbor Compliance and Clinical Services. And previous to that, he was a senior manager at BNP Paribus. And a little fun fact that we were able to dig up on Johnny is that he actually started off his career as a financial analyst at EA, which for those of you that are not gamers, uh, that is actually a really uh, popular video game company. He has a bachelor's of science in business administration and finance from California Polytechnic University. He spent four years volunteering with Big Brother Big Sisters, which I think is absolutely awesome. So I'm a shout out for that. And last but not least, he's coming to us today from uh, San Diego. So Johnny, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show today. Big fan of what uh, the Ready to Scale podcast and really excited to be here. Well, thanks. We appreciate you being on. So I love what you're doing and I would love to hear the story of how this epiphany came to you that you wanted to start Homeroom. Yeah, sure. I um, I started investing in real estate in 2008, right out of college. Um, I bought one single family home for $90,000 in Midland, Texas. And, and I watched it and analyzed it. I was a finance guy and began to realize that real estate investing in single family homes was a really exceptional investment option. So in 2015, I moved to Austin to invest in real estate more aggressively. I bought a number of single family homes and rented it out each one by the room. Uh, the reason I did that is that even at that time, prices in Austin were pretty high and it was difficult to make those homes cash flow. So by Renting out by the room, I was able to get in some cases 75% more rent for the same same home. Uh, that went really well, and over a three-year period, I turned fifty thousand dollars into uh, close to a million dollars in net worth. And my friends were asking me how they could do something similar, so I decided that I would start a company that offered real estate investments in single-family homes that rented out each room separately in 2018. So. Homeroom is about almost about four and a half years old, and we're now in 11 different markets. We have about 100 million in, ca uh, in capital under management today, um, growing pretty quickly. Um, yeah, things are going really well. So, yeah. Very cool. Now, just so the listeners can kind of understand a little bit more of kind of the process of it. So, you know, if an investor thinks, you know, hey, I want to get into, you know, the residential uh, sector and I want to have some rentals, but I don't really want to deal with the rentals. How do you partner up with these types of potential investors? Like what process do you take them through to basically help them get, you know, established and cash flowing with some investment properties? Yeah. So we'll do everything. I think 
in my initial investment, I was, I bought out of state. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I was in my early twenties and, you know, the property manager helped me find the property, helped me buy it, managed it, you know, taught me things. And so that's really the approach that we've taken with Homeroom is we'll, we'll, we'll do everything for you. Come in, we'll help you find a lender. We'll connect you to a real estate agent. We'll do the uh, analysis for you. Um, and we do have a data science team that helps us fine tune, you know, rent room forecast. Um, Cause renting by the room is a little bit more data science-y than typical. Um, yeah. And then we'll manage it for you. We'll get it set up. So it's optimized and make sure that your returns are really good. We actually have an asset management team that's looking at the returns every month, trying to improve them. So it's really, com- you come with the cash, we'll kind of teach you everything. And that's really all that there is to it. Sounds very cool and uh, very niche. Now, um, I actually myself uh, for a short while experienced what it was like to uh, rent in a co-living situation. It's what I did when I first moved here to Boston, uh, since I didn't know the area and I had no idea, you know, what I was going to like and what I wouldn't. And it was actually a really great experience for me, even though I kind of felt like I was you know, rewinding in time. And I almost felt like a college student again, having a bunch of roommates. But from a management standpoint, I imagine there's a lot of challenges that can come with that living structure. So, you know, I'm curious to know, how do you screen the tenants? What types of processes do you put in place uh, in order to make sure that these types of living environments, you know, remain hopefully drama-free and and a good experience for people? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that. Everything's systems based, right? I think a car is, you know, an engine in a car is much more complicated than running a roommate house. Uh, it just takes, you know, working on it, figuring out checks and balances. We do made cleans every month. Uh, we'll rate the house for cleanliness. And then if the house isn't clean enough, we'll communicate that with the tenants and potentially find them to kind of get them to behave in the way that's best for the property and for all the roommates. Um, we have some mediation ability as well. Uh, we have roommate rules. So it's, it's something that we, We've gotten quite good at, right? It doesn't, I don't lose much sleep over roommate kind of situations. It's always something that you're working on. I think anyone in property management has headaches with their tenants and so do we, but I I don't think it's much different than what other people are dealing with. Okay. Well, good. Very interesting. Now, um, a part of your story that I, at least I was able to dig into a little bit when we were doing our our due diligence before the show is you actually were able to get partnered up with some type of startup accelerator called Y Combinator. Is that right? Yeah, we, we went through YC in winter of 2022. Very cool. So um, just out of curiosity, you know, what did you do in order to qualify to work with this company? Um, what are you learning from them? And, and just to give the listeners some insight, uh, this is basically an accelerator that has been part of Airbnb, DoorDash, Instacart. So, you know, it's it's really exciting. It sounds like a very powerful uh, accelerator to get plugged into. So I'm curious to know, how is it working and what are you learning? Yeah, um, you know, I think YC is considered the best startup accelerator in the world. And um, I think having gone through it, like it definitely is, um, it, they'll teach you They, you know, the, the biggest thing that YC will do for you is they'll help you fundraise. They'll help you. Um, but then they help you afterwards a lot. Right. So they have a massive resource of, uh, they have a, um, a startup founder kind of like resource center online. So any issues that you encounter, you can look them up. There's a massive network of Y Combinator 
founders and people that want to work at Y Combinator companies. So it makes it a little bit easier to recruit. Um, and you can reach out to like, you know, the leaders of the program kind of at any time during the accelerator after. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of benefits, a lot of connections with other people that are going through the same journey. It also is, it's, um, it gives you a little bit of uh, extra clout just because the, the, um, how difficult it is to get in that people understand that um, you're dealing with somebody that has been vetted by one of the best uh, institutions and in startup in the startup world. So all of that helps. It all just stacks together. Very cool. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned thus far, you know, um, really helping to scale out your own startup company? Yeah, the biggest lesson is how to deal with investors and how to listen, how to take, how to understand when people are saying no, and then understand how to fix it. Because a lot of time when you're, when you're trying to raise capital, the no comes in like a very polite, like deferral. And so they sort of teach you to understand what those different no's mean and what the next step should be in each case. Um, and that, that just means that you can spend a lot more time on the potential yeses. So I think that's one of the biggest things from the program itself that we learned. Very cool. Okay. Well, now I'd like to learn uh, a lot more about kind of your market analysis. And you mentioned your team of data scientists. So I'd love to dig into that. But before we do, let's go ahead and have a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sun Belt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So Johnny, let's dig into the good stuff. So when it comes to determining, you know, which markets you're going to target, you know, um, developing these investments in, how do you go about doing that? What is this team of data scientists doing for you? What data points are you looking at? You know, paint the picture for us. Sure. And, and you know, we, um, we do individual single family homes. So we're typically working with about $100,000 out of pocket investment, um, you know, targeting like, standard like a nine and a nine percent yield and like an 18 percent irr to 22 percent so that's sort of the general framework but what we one of the biggest things we're looking to do when we talk to each individual investor is to understand what they're looking for right so i think in different life stages different investors are looking for different performance types and so that I, we think that each market in and of itself is when you invest in real estate you're investing in that city and so you need to understand fundamentals of the city as well as sort of like where in its life cycle it is in terms of is it at the beginning of its potential massive growth kick is it at the end um is there cash flow to be captured in a very stable market so we're really trying to evaluate the investor and fit them with the right market initially so that's number one because as much as data science can do to find the, the best home in a given market if you're looking for cash flow and you and you and you go with austin it's going to be really difficult, even with the best data science in the world. So the, this is the first step when we're working with investors is pairing them with the market that fits kind of their needs and their kind of investor horizon. 
From there, we're going to use data science to identify individual homes. We use, we're going to look at every property that comes available in the market that we've chose for the investor. Um, we're going to look on market, off market. We're going to do, we have our algorithm will kind of predict average room price for each of these homes. And we will then forecast the total rent that we'd receive based on what the home will look like. And we're targeting, as I said, kind of before those yield numbers and those RR numbers. Um, although those will shift based on the market and based on the person. So some people will say, I prefer a 2% cash yield and a 26% IRR. So then we're going to kind of shift them to Austin. And then as we look for a property in that market, um, we will look for that. And if someone says, I want 10% or 11% cash yield, and I find with 15% IRR, then we're maybe looking to Kansas City, right? Or maybe looking at a higher yield neighborhood. So that's really all, it's all part of strategy, but then mixed with the data science. And those, those guys are, they, they're looking, a lot of what goes into the RR calculations is forecasting appreciation based off of macroeconomic trends and kind of neighborhood level trends. Because appreciation forecast is kind of, in single family homes is one of the bigger challenges in the space. Um, but it is the most important lever. If you can get it right, you can invest right to get appreciation um, and max that out. You're going to do really well. Very cool. Very cool. Now I'm curious, um, you know, what kind of strategies, I guess is the best term I can use. Have you been implementing lately in the market, given the fact that with interest rates, uh, financing terms are just a lot more difficult, you know, for individual buyers uh, and as well as commercial, you know, real estate uh, you know, to, to qualify for. And it's definitely, you know, eating into returns as well. So I'm just kind of curious, how have you guys been navigating that challenge? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we, we'd say you like, you know, you, you marry the house, but you date the interest rate. So we're generally looking at, um, you know, properties to be the king. I mean, the number one, the number one selector is market and they're fit with the investor. But number two is really the property itself. If you get a really good property, you know, and, and you're in an area that we see some growth happening, that's going to be disproportionately more than another area of the city or, or the region. I'm usually going to do pretty good. There's refinance that do become available and single family homes is much easier than kind of a multifamily space to do that. Uh, you can do it as much as you want. There's no balloon payment at the end. So it's really cool. Um, um, and, and once you get a good rate, you don't have to refinance again. So that's, that's all really positive stuff. Um, as of today, it's, the rates are a little bit higher. Um, the good news is that homerooms model adds 30 to 50% rent um, by renting by the room. So homes that would not work for a standard single family rental would actually cash flow with our model. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an arbitrage with the space to create more yield. And so that offsets a bit of the interest rate challenges. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Now, I'm curious about the renovations that you're going in. Is your group actually also overseeing the renovations? If you're going into a three-bedroom, are you going in and doing a remodel to create a six-bedroom so you can actually double the capacity, essentially, uh, for the investors? Yeah, that's that's one of our key strategies. There are homes that will be bought, and as is, they're good to go. But most homes coming out of the inspection period, well, our construction team will identify, you know, hey, you know, this AC is, gonna, is about to die or... Um, you know, we need to, you know, fix some other mechanical issue or some other structural issue before we like make this long-term rental because otherwise it will come back to bite us. So we're usually doing some post and, you know, 
post-purchase repairs to make it ready to go. In addition to that, we will add bedrooms by identifying, you know, we look specifically for homes that have extra rooms like a den or, you know, maybe just a living room that's too big or, you know, there's a lot of different spaces in homes that you can utilize and still keep a living room, a kitchen, and a dining room, which we always want to keep. So there can be common spaces for the tenants. Um, we're also doing everything to code and following kind of city compliance guidelines to do that. But yeah, you can get a lot more rent by kind of adding bedrooms. And there's a huge amount of demand by roommates. People, we, you know, to rent a room at home room is 30% less than a studio apartment in the same neighborhood. So it's, you know, it's, tough as it seems to live with roommates or maybe a number of roommates, it's, you know, it's a really nice way to save money to go buy a house down the road, or it's a really nice way to make connections if you're moving to a new city. So we've housed thousands of people like this. So quite a big, quite a big demand. There's other competitors in the space that, you know, kind of the, the size of the pool of people living like this in the United States is in the uh, tens and hundreds of thousands. Wow. And actually it's a great segue because that was going to be my next question is, what do you, you know, and your team kind of see as the forecast of the trends of, of how people are living? I mean, you know, COVID definitely made a really big impact when, you know, we, we really shifted to more of a remote lifestyle. Um, you know, of course, out-of-state investing has been well-established for a long time, but this is, you know, kind of a whole uh, variation, if you will, of, of, of a strategy for investing out-of-state. And then when it comes to the demand, uh, you know, I'm looking at the challenges uh, with simply housing as a whole, right? There's a lack of affordable housing. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of compression in the market as far as homes that are even available to be purchased. Uh, there's a lot of challenges. But I mean, the reality is, is we've got a whole nation of renters, right? In one way or another. And it looks like it's going to kind of continue that way. What does your team think is going to be the trend that we're going to see? Do you think that this co-living is going to become increasingly more popular? Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, you know, that I think that's, there's, it's one of the bigger questions, like how big is the market or like are a lot of people living like this or will be living like this down the road? I, I think low key, a lot of people have been living like this for a long time. Um, in the last 30 years, the number percentage of young adults between 18 and 35 living with roommates has more than doubled on a percentage basis. On a total basis, it's much more, it's like 4X. Um, and that number is, is pretty, it's 20. So that's a pretty large population of people living with roommates, either through Craigslist or Facebook marketplace, living with friends, renting out a whole house and splitting the house. Uh, the population is massive and it continues to trend upward as housing affordability is, is not that, um, doesn't seem to have any um, opportunities for improvement in the near future. So yeah, it's a, it's a big, big space. Um, the players in the space, there's a number of them at this point that are in tens of thousands of homes. Um, and I think it's just gonna trend upward from there. What we don't know is how dense it is in the multifamily in, like center of the city kind of situation. I, we do see that sometimes, but most of the players that are having the success are in the, like, doing suburban single family homes at this point. Um, that seems to be where the biggest demand that's unmet is today. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, um, thank you very much for sharing, you know, kind of your insights into this. I, I love the structure of what you're doing. I think it's very cool. I'm definitely going to be uh, following your journey and uh, wishing you the best of mm -hmm. success. 
But before we go, I do want to ask you what we call the lightning round questions, which are five questions that I ask all of our guests. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So what do you actually do for fun? Hmm. I like to go with my girlfriend and her daughter to go look at the sunset. That's like our big like Thursday night activity. And then we get ice cream. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, great. All right. Now, what is something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. One thing most people don't know about me. Mm. Yeah, my first word as a child was cheese. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fantastic. As a cheese lover, I think that's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. All right. Now, a little bit more of a serious note. Um, What book has had a tremendous impact on you um, or is just something that you would really recommend that investors need to include in their library? Hmm. Yeah, two that I really that I that I like. I think they sort of their concepts mix together really well. Um, There's Fearless, The 50th Law um, by um, Robert Greene. Um, and then there's Mindset by Carl Dweck. Um, 50th Law talks about sort of current, like how easily we, we get anxious and afraid of in today's society when, relatively speaking, the, the safety we have is unprecedented. And so it, it like encourages you to do things that feel risky, but in reality, from like a historical perspective, are really not all that risky right? Because lions aren't going to eat you. Um, and then mindset is by Carol Dweck talks about growth mindset versus fixed. Just the concept that as you put in more effort and anything in who you are, it can improve. And so I think the being fearless and then improving, I think, um, I think those two things can unlock a much more, I don't know, an interesting and fulfilling life. Yeah, agree. Very much so. And actually, my next question for you is, you know, we always try to emphasize that, yes, this is about money. Yes, this is about real estate, but it's really about a lot more than money, right? Everything that we're doing is about more than money. And here, what we try to do is encourage our investors to really build extraordinary lives and live extraordinary lives. So what would be your advice that you would give someone that is trying to build an extraordinary life? I think definitely prior, like to build an extraordinary life, like I think knowledge and knowledge and experience is kind of a currency that you can spend to get money later. And so I generally think that it's really valuable to do something that doesn't make you, maybe it can make you money, right? I think if you work at Goldman Sachs as an investment bank, you probably learn a lot and make a lot. But (laughs) I do think a lot of times in things that are like less defined, like investing, you know, some of the time you have to you have to sacrifice some money or you have to sacrifice some time to get knowledge. And I think that ends up scaling sort of infinitely. Um, and so I would, and I sort of feel like that about like internships versus like working at a restaurant during college. Generally, if you can like get greedy about knowledge, then you don't have to get greedy about money because the money will come to you a lot more easily um, if you can get in skills, right? So I think that's, that's what I'd say is like, Put yourself in situations where knowledge and skills are demanded and kind of required and you acquire them quickly. 
And then I think from a finance standpoint, you'll be more, you'll be able to do more interesting things, go have great knowledge and skills for one. So that'll be super fun. And then on top of that, you'll likely be able to make more money than you would have in another situation. It's always about your 10 year total income versus your, how much income are you making from this job today? Like, are you learning something that's going to make you the most income over 10 years? I think that's an important way to think about it. Excellent advice. I really like that. And I appreciate it. All right. Well, last but not least, Johnny, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So livehomeroom.com is our website. You can also email me at johnny at livehomeroom.com. We, um, you know, a lot of people rent out rooms and homes they own and, you know, people email me for tips on that. Happy to respond and provide my thoughts. Um, we think roommate living is, you know, it's a little tricky, but it's, we think it's awesome, right? It's a great way to get more affordable housing out there and kind of improve, you know, people's lives and trajectories and get them a chance to buy a house. So here to help with any of that stuff. You can also reach my team if you want to invest. You can also reach our team if you want to live. So that's how you find us. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much for taking time uh, to just share this information with us today. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cool and interesting. For those of you listening, thanks so much for tuning in again. Um, make sure that you don't forget to like, rate, and review. Let us know some of your thoughts or what you'd like to hear more of. And in the meantime, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.